What's up, sports fans? It's Take 30 with A. Perky, and I'm your host, Amanda Perkins. Sorry, I didn't have an episode last week. I wasn't feeling the greatest, but I'm back this week feeling good, ready to dive into some playoff talk and all the other awesome things that are going around in the sports world. This week, I'm going to start with the NCAA men's basketball, as per usual. I'll talk about the one-and-dones. Should they get rid of the one-and-dones? Does it benefit them? What should the NCAA do with that? And should these athletes start getting paid? I'll move on to the NBA, of course, the playoffs. And one of the biggest topics of this past weekend was the Rockets-Golden State officiating. Are the Rockets and James Harden manipulating the game with how they play for fouls? And is KD now the best player in the world? I'll finish off with the NFL. The draft was this past weekend, so I'll talk a little bit about that. The Giants pick that shocked everyone, and Rosen goes to Miami. So, episode six, let's go. NCAA men's basketball. Should the one-and-done rule go away? This is such a tricky question, and (laughs) men's basketball in the NCAA right now is going through a lot, you know, with the the FBI investigations going on, all these agents and coaches getting wiretapped, and just all these things coming out about different programs. Um, And then the one-and-done rule with Zion getting injured, blowing out his shoe, that brought up that one-and-done rule. It's something that has to be addressed because of Zion. Let's face it, Zion's going to be a generational talent. And that was a scary moment for him in college basketball because Zion gets hurt, even though Duke did pay for an insurance policy if he so happened to get hurt. I think it's a $10 million policy, and and his draft stock got hurt. He gets $10 million. But still, it's like you don't want to get hurt and ruin your career. So obviously his injury brought this rule up again. So they have to revisit it. Um, And then the other hot topic going around in the uh, college basketball is should these guys start getting paid? I mean, coaches make millions. They have so many different avenues for revenue being a coach, and it's basically off of these players. I mean, yes, coaches have a big hand in a team's and program's success, but at the same time, these kids are helping generate those opportunities if it wasn't for these athletes. They wouldn't have those opportunities. So they're under a lot of heat right now, the NCAA, and they have a lot of tough decisions to make because, honestly, I can see both sides to all these topics. Um, The one and done, for one, there are very few high school players that can just go straight to the league, that can go straight to the league and make an impact. There's very, 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 very few you. I mean, Zion obviously is one, and I can't really think of too many that would just automatically make an impact straight from high school. And honestly, brings me to my second point, the national platform that college basketball brings, it can help a lot of these dudes raise their draft stock. Like for instance, Zion. Zion did not go into the college season as a projected one. Uh, first draft pick 
it was R.J. Barrett who was actually projected to go number one. And because Zion did what he did this past season and just blew everyone away, he upped himself to the number one pick in the draft. And John Morant, too. Nobody knew who this kid was, really. Nobody was talking about John Morant. After this season, everybody was talking about John Morant. Now he's projected to go two or three. So playing college does help these kids up their draft stock and say, hey, look, look what I can do. Look what I can do at this level and look at the potential I have. You might not have seen that in high school, but look what I'm doing at the college level. So in that sense, college basketball can be good for these dudes. So that that's one of the reasons I'm torn. But then it's like, you know, you want these kids to go get their money, right? You want them to go straight to the league and just start being successful. So I, I just, I don't know what the NCAA does. Um, I know a lot of people want to do away with it. Um, maybe, maybe revisit that, see how that goes since we've been in one and done for a while and we know kind of what it's like. I mean, Duke and Kentucky, they get the top recruits in the country. And you can see you need more than just that to win a national title. You need some veteran leadership. You need some seasoned guys who know what to do in the tournament and can put the team on their back and kind of guide these young guys. Because even though they're top talent, doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to take you to the championship. So like I, I was talking to some friends and uh, about Duke and saying, oh, they should have, you know, won. They had the top talent in the league. But my point was in 2015 when they did win, yes, they had one and dones. But they also had a Quinn Cook and an Emil Jefferson who have been in the Duke program. I mean, Quinn was a senior. Emil was a junior, I think. You had guys who have been in the program who know how this goes. They had that veteran leadership in that mixed with the one and dones was perfection. I mean, they won the national title. So unless you have that good mix of guys, just because you have the most talented team doesn't always mean you're going to win a title. So that being said, I I don't know what I would like to see with this rule, honestly. I mean, I I want these guys to be able to go get their money. But at the same time, it could be a smart move to actually go play college ball for a year and get your draft stock up. Go to a program that you know is going to develop you and help up your game in that one year, like a Coach K, a Calipari, those guys, Roy Williams. Go to those guys who will develop you. I mean, look at Kobe White. Nobody was talking about Kobe White. He goes to UNC. Kid balled out. I mean, he he proved himself. So, so torn on this rule. You know, I want to say do away with it, but then it's like you see these kids grow and make a case for themselves and actually make their draft stock higher. So I'm torn on that, if you can't tell. (laughs) So this leads me into should collegiate athletes get paid? They do get tuition, room, and board. But honestly, yes, that's, that's awesome. That's a form of payment, but these kids still need spending money and things like that. I mean, when you play college sports, it's a, it's a job in itself. You don't have time to get a side job to get money for the extra meals that you want or the clothes that you want or the shoes that you want. Like, it's it's a full-time job plus going to school. So it's not like these dudes can just go and get a job and play at an elite program in college 
and go to school. It's just not plausible. So I think that they should be allowed to get sponsors. They should be allowed to go do commercials. They should be allowed to make money off of the name they made for themselves. Now, I understand this could get a little sticky for the NCAA as a whole because, let's be real, the lower D2 schools and all that probably, I mean, it's not as taxing and they probably don't have those offers. So, But the kids who do, I mean, Zion, who knows how much money Zion could have made off of this year. He brought so much money to Duke. Look at their games and people who showed up. They had celebrities left and right at his games. They upped ticket sales. Tickets were like a grand, even at away games. I mean, it it was insane, and it was because of Zion. Zion didn't get jack from that. Like, I think Zion should be able to be sponsored and do commercials and do all these things. He should be able to make some money off his own name. So I do think that they should look into that and find a way for these kids to be able to accept money from their own doing because it's because of their talent that they have these opportunities and they should be allotted those opportunities. Let those kids start off and get successful. So my conclusion is the NCAA is in a really tough position. They have a lot of decisions to make and we will see what they do with it and these FBI investigations. We'll see how these all come up because it seems like every so often something big comes out. Like today, uh, I know Andre Ayton from Arizona, they have on wiretap that he was receiving 10 grand a month from Arizona. So we're just finding out all this stuff. And, and honestly, it's just because these kids can't get paid. So we'll see what the NCAA does about this. On to the pros, the NBA playoffs. So we have the Rockets and the Warriors. Blazers and Nuggets in the West. The Warriors are leading that series 2-0. Blazers and Nuggets, it's Nuggets 1-0. Game 2 is tonight. Sixers and Raptors are also 1-1, and so are the Celtics and the Bucks. So, looks like we're going to have some pretty good series here. Um, Celtics dominated Game 1. I was very shocked. I mean, I think the Celtics will win this series. But I know it's not going to be an easy task because Milwaukee's a hell of a team. Horford played his mind out. He was the X Factor game one. They just all around looked phenomenal. They're so deep talent-wise. The Celtics, if they play like that, whew, watch out now. Game two was a different story. The Bucks dominated. Giannis and Bledsoe led the way. They, they just sparked They said, look, game one, that's not happening again. They came out and balled out. Kyrie only had nine points, and Jason Tatum only had five. That's not going to happen again. I can guarantee you that. So I can't wait to watch game three. That is Friday night at 7 o'clock Central Time. The Raptors and the Sixers. Raptors pretty much handled business game one. Kawhi dropped 45, you know, Drake was all geeked up, you know, Kawhi did his thing. Game two, Sixers led most of the game. Jimmy Butler stepped up in a big way, dropping 30. That was impressive from Jimmy Butler because everybody else was 15, 16 points. MB dropped 16, I believe. 
So um, that'll be another good series. They're they're gonna go to uh, Philly for Game Three on Thursday at seven o'clock Central Time. Denver and Portland. Portland's coming from that high off of that crazy Dame Lillard shot. Dame Lillard said, look, this is who I am. Respect me. He played his mind out. Dame Lillard did his thing. But they dropped game one to Denver. Um, And then uh, game two is actually tonight at 8 o'clock Central Time. So we'll see if Portland can uh, play a little better this game and even the series out. And, of course, I have to end with the Warriors and the Rockets. <laughs> we knew this this series was going to be exciting. We knew it was going to be drama. But I didn't know it would be drama focused on the officiating. So Golden State takes game one 100-104. And like I said earlier, unfortunately, the focus wasn't on the actual game. The focus was on the officiating. After the game, James Harden, and I quote, says, I just want a fair chance. We all know what happened a couple years back with Kawhi. Call the game the way it's supposed to be called, and we'll live with the results. (laughs) I'm going to... I'm going to talk on that. I'm just going to tell you what Draymond says. Draymond responds in his interview because they tell him what Harden said. And Draymond says, I've been fouled by James on a James three-pointer before. (laughs) Just so true. But it's just funny to me that James Harden, out of all people, is complaining about officiating when he has led the league in free throw attempts for the past two seasons. This dude gets so many foul calls. It's a joke. And not to mention, he went to the line 29 times in uh, game one. The regular season, he went 24. So he went more than normal, and he's complaining. Now, Harden has had... I have to admit, he has gotten the call of, you know, his landing spot call, which I also think the NBA needs to revisit after this season because the way that the Rockets have manipulated this rule is just a joke. Because if you notice, a lot of the times Harden doesn't just vertically jump shoot a shot. He projects himself forward into a defender to get a foul, which is not fair to the defender because how are you supposed to guard that? Like, how are you supposed to contest the shot and let him land when he's jumping into you? It, it, it really just makes no sense to me. And it's game one was extremely frustrating for me to watch. I don't know about you guys, but it was beyond frustrating because, first of all, Harden was getting calls. It might not have been his landing spot calls but he was getting calls like if they looked at him he gets calls and it's so annoying it's so annoying but I will admit they miss like three landing spot calls but I like that they didn't call them because he is known for flopping I can't stand the flopping it it ruins the game for me and I think that he kind of set himself up for that because he's been taking advantage of this rule 
the entire season, and the refs said, look, this is the playoffs. We're not letting that slide. You you need to just quit trying to draw fouls and play the game because that's what it looked like the Rockets were doing. It looks like on offense that they were playing to get fouled. They weren't playing to score and win the game. They were too busy. They were too focused on the officiating. It was so crazy. I've never seen. I know both teams are notorious for complaining to refs, but this was this was ridiculous. This affected the game in an extremely bad and embarrassing way. And as a basketball fan and former player, it was so frustrating. And my third point, obviously, James, you can't take the L because the Houston Rockets decides after game one <laughs> to do an audit on the officiating from last season, that's right, last season, on how many calls were missed between the Warriors and Houston and missed calls that would have been on the Warriors. And then they decided to take those calls, add up how many points they should have gotten, and came to the conclusion that they were robbed of a finals appearance. (laughs) Like, What? What is that? How do you wait a whole year, first of all, to say something if you really think you have a case? Second of all, that is such a pansy move. Why would you do that? Basketball is a game where there will be calls missed. It's just a fact. The game is so fast, especially at a professional level. The game is fast, and, and calls get missed. The, the officials are humans, too, and they are going to miss calls. And, yes, sometimes it is frustrating, but you have to – you take it with a grain of salt, and you just play the game. You play how they're calling, and you get over it and play. You don't harp on it. You don't go and pull up all these missed calls that you saw from last year and then come out with it before game two. It's crazy to me. Crazy. It's just a bad look for the game, and it's embarrassing for the game. Like Draymond Green said last night, you know, the focus was on the officiating, and it wasn't on these two teams battling out on the floor like it should be. And it it was an embarrassment to the game. I agree with Draymond, and I'm glad he said that because if that was indicative of what – this series was going to be, that'd be very disappointing and they'd be robbing a lot of basketball fans of a good series. So I'm, I'm extremely glad to see that last night was way better, but the fact that the Rockets pulled this, this move of auditing, officiating, you have the replay. These officials have to call it on the spot right there with the naked eye for majority of the game, unless it's under two minutes. So they can't sit there and analyze that. Like, are you kidding me? How about you analyze how many calls would have been against the Rockets and how that would have swayed the game? Like, you can't can't do that. You just let it go. Let it go, Elsa. Let it go. Ugh, that just, ugh. The Rockets really ticked me off with that. But I'm glad they got it together. It looks like this series will be way better than game one. Thank you, Jesus, because... I would have, I don't know if I would have been able to watch it or keep up with it because that was so embarrassing.
on to game two. Iggy and Draymond in game two, actually. They were the X factors in that game. Iggy and Draymond were just balling out of their minds. Everybody brings up the whole CP3 argument from last year. Oh, it was because CP3 was out that they didn't win that series. I mean, that could be true, but people forget that Iggy was out too. Iggy brings a different dimension to the Warriors. And Iggy brings defensively good things. So when when you don't have that kind of guy, yeah, that's a big difference. And you could see last night, look look at how successful he was and Draymond. Draymond in this series is playing. He's impressing me. And then the Warriors' defense was just swarming last night as well. So, whew, if if Steph and Clay can get back to how they they are to their normal selves with this Warrior D with Iggy and Draymond playing the way they are, and KD being KD, huh, ain't nobody beating them in the series. Sorry. Uh, game three is Saturday, which was weird to me. Why do we have to wait so long for game three? But. Saturday at 7.30 Central Time. I'll definitely be catching that game. People are saying the Rockets are probably going to win, but I don't know, man. I don't know. Like I said, if they can get Steph and, uh, and uh, Clay playing the way they play, along with Iggy, Draymond, and KD, that, that, that's, that five is unstoppable. Speaking of KD... Is he now the best player in the world? Can we give him that crown? My answer, 1,000% yes. This dude is balling out his mind. He is in his bag. He, the, his, his stats in the playoffs, 34.3 points per game. 52.7% from the floor. from the three-point line. That is unreal. That that is insane. And And it also goes to show you KD has great shot selection. To be hitting 52.7% of your shots, that means you're not just jacking up shots like James Harden. You are taking good shots. You are taking good, high, high probability shots. And I love that. I just love how KD plays. And not to mention he's locking it down on defense. KD's getting it done on both ends of the floor. And I don't know if you guys noticed, ever since people were getting on him after Patrick Beverly was kind of, you know, annoying him, which that's how Patrick Beverly is, they were kind of like, KD, why don't you just man him up? You know, you're 6'9", 7'5", wingspan. Like, you need to bully him. Ever since he responded with that quote, you know who I am, I'm Kevin Durant. (sighs) Ever since he said that, he has been unstoppable. And can I just tell you, I love the fact that he said that. I love that quote. Like when I heard KD say, you know who I am, I'm Kevin Durant. I was like, whoo, tell him KD, you tell him who, who you are. We know who you are. And he's showing us that he's reminding us who KD is. He is definitely the best player in the world. No one is playing at his level right now. 
he's just, there's no answer for him. There's no defense you could put. He's just playing in his bag right now. So, KD, you have my crown for best player in the world. And it is so fun to watch him play right now, especially when he dropped 50, 37, or 38 in the first half. I was like, what? This is crazy. So fun to watch. I just can't wait to watch more of KD. And on to our next topics of the NFL. There's not much drama actually going on in the NFL, just draft talk, which I'll be honest with you guys, I don't really keep up with college football because I don't really have a team I root for, so I don't really pay attention to college football. Like I'll watch the projected really good games, but I'm more of an NFL kind of girl, so I can't tell you, unless it's the top guys they talk about all the time on the talk shows, I can't really, I don't have like a legitimate opinion on a lot of these guys in the draft. But the draft was last weekend, and as predicted, Kyler Murray goes number one to Arizona. A day after that, of course, everybody's like, okay, what's going what's gonna to happen with Josh Rosen? They trade Josh Rosen to Miami for a 62nd overall pick and a 2025th round pick. That is dirt cheap for a top 10 draft pick. I think he was top 10. Was he top 10? Anyways, you get my gist. Josh Rosen was supposed to be that guy for Arizona, and he wasn't. So they draft Kyler Murray. They say Kyler Murray's our guy. And trade him away. I think it's better for both teams. I think it's better for Josh Rosen, although I wasn't a big fan of him and his comment after the draft. But if anything, he could be a good backup for Miami. So I think Miami made a good move in getting him. Um, And we'll see how he does. And Kyler Murray, too. Everybody's really curious to see how a 5'10 quarterback in the NFL is going to pan out. I mean, Drew Brees is short. Not that short, but Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, those are top quarterbacks in the league, and they're not tall. So I'm excited to see how how he does. Um, The biggest shock of the draft was the Giants picking their future quarterback. And everybody thought maybe Dwayne Haskins if they're going QB. But no, they go with Daniel Jones from Duke University with the sixth pick. The sixth pick, they picked Daniel Jones from Duke. No one even watches Duke football. Duke's a basketball school. So everybody was beyond shocked at this move. And I know Daniel Jones works out with the Mannings. He's close with the Mannings. So I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, I think Jones would have been available later in the draft. But um, Haskins played for Ohio State. That's way better competition. People are watching Ohio State play. They are a big dog in college football. So, uh, I don't know. I'm really confused by this pick because just listen listen to these stats. They're going to blow your mind. They're going to be like, what, what were the Giants doing? So, in two seasons, Haskins has 4,580 passing yards, 
47 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, and a 96 total QBR. Jones in three seasons. Three. 2,674 passing yards, 22 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, and a 68 quarterback ranking. Rating, sorry. What? 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 I, I don't understand, and he's almost doubled his yards in two seasons, one season less than him. I don't know. On paper, it looks... It looks crazy. Like I said, I, I don't really keep up with college football, so I didn't really actually watch these guys play. But on paper, it's kind of like night and day. I don't I don't understand what the Giants are doing here, and I'm no, no NFL scout. But it's really crazy, and if I'm a Giants fan, I'm worried. What the heck are we doing? Oof. Thank God I'm not a Giants fan. That's all I got to say. We'll see how this kid turns out. We'll see how it goes with Eli. Is he going to get a shot this season? You know, are are they going to actually pull Eli if he's not playing up to par? So it'll be interesting to see how Daniel Jones works out. And I want to see Haskins, too. He went to the Redskins later on in the draft. So we'll see how these kids turn out. But they were the top topic obviously coming out of the draft because it was probably the most shocking pick in the draft well guys that's all I have for you this week hope you enjoyed episode six Um, I'll have a new episode next week talk about the playoffs of course wonder if there'll be a little more drama out of the Houston Golden State series we shall see but don't forget to subscribe to me on iTunes and I, iTunes and SoundCloud. And follow me on Instagram, Take30Aperky. And until next week, you guys enjoy these great playoff games.